You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. For KUSP and the Agony Column Podcast News, I'm Rick Kleffel. I'm here with Alan Beats at Borderlands Books. Borderlands is one of the premier booksellers of science fiction, fantasy, horror fiction, weird fiction, eccentric fiction, and books you won't find anywhere else. Thank you for joining me, Alan. Uh, it's a pleasure, Rick. Alan, tell us how you became a bookseller. What brought you into this business? Well, it's kind of a long story, but the, uh, the sort of short version is that uh, I was in law enforcement for a while. And um, then I got kind of burned out on that. And so quit that field, didn't really know what I wanted to do from that point on. And so I bounced from one job to another. I worked as a nightclub promoter for a while, and I managed a motorcycle shop. And um, running the motorcycle shop made me realize that I really enjoyed running businesses, and I really enjoyed kind of customer service and the retail side of things. And after things didn't work out too well with the shop, I decided that I wanted to open my own business. And kind of by process of elimination, I, uh, I tried to figure out what I would enjoy doing even if I wasn't getting paid for it. And um, book selling, and specifically science fiction, fantasy, and horror book selling, seemed like the thing to do. And so I dove into it with almost no book selling experience whatsoever. How did you choose this location? Have you always been at this location? No, actually, we originally opened in uh, San Francisco's Hayes Valley area. It's um, sort of near the Opera House and where the old uh, freeway off-ramp used to be. That was a good location. It was a little small. It was about 1,000 square feet. And it wasn't exactly the neighborhood that I wanted, but that was just at the beginning as we were sort of staging into the big dot-com boom and spaces weren't terribly available. So I was there for three years, and then I moved to this neighborhood uh, in uh, 2001. Tell us a little bit about the bookselling business. How do you start out? I mean, do you you just start calling up publishers and say, send me books, I'll pay pay you for them? Everyone that I've ever talked to started out in bookselling different ways. For myself, uh, my original plan was used books only. And so when I originally opened, the store inventory consisted of almost my entire collection of books, Plus, uh, that was about half of the inventory, and the other half of the inventory were, were excess stock that I bought from some friends of mine who ran a bookstore in Palo Alto for many years called uh, No New Books. And so started off with used books, and we opened in November. By the time I got to December, I realized with the holiday season, it might not be a bad idea to have some new books for sale. And so started adding new books through uh, uh, distributors, actually, not publishers. They're uh, sort of wholesalers that buy books from publishers and then sell to bookstores. So started with that, and then slowly over time started carrying more and more new books. And then when we moved to this, cur- this location, which is twice as large as the old store, had enough room to actually have a thorough stock of new books, and so then expanded the inventory at that point. Tell us a little bit about... It the kind of inventory you have, you have a lot of more unusual books, the small press books, you have a lot of books from the United Kingdom. How, that must be more difficult to get those in stock, keep those in stock, and sell them. It is a little challenging. I feel that with the current book selling environment with chain stores and Amazon and, and online and, and all of the different pressures on book selling, if one is going to be a specialty store, 
and survive, one has to have things that both customers can't get anywhere else and also a, a range of more obscure things that customers aren't aware exist. So um, we, we have supported the small and independent press very strongly practically since the day we opened. And um, we started bringing books, books over from England about six, seven years ago. And that's been a pretty important part of our business, too. But it's more a matter of, of having an intelligent staff. In terms of selling the books, it's a matter of having an, a staff that is really familiar with the inventory and can make recommendations to customers based on what the customer is looking for, you know, what the customer has enjoyed, and then suggest books that the customer isn't necessarily aware of. You know, Steven Erickson being a, f a fine example who people in the U.S. were unaware of for years, and we've been selling... We were selling Ericsson four years prior to him ever having a U.S. publisher. Could you talk a little bit about the current bookselling environment? Uh, the last person I talked to, Mark Ziesing, was fairly mournful as to the state of bookselling right now. <laughs> Mark's been mournful for at least 10 years, which is long, as long as I've known him. Um, he's a wonderful guy. He actually was willing to consign his entire list of published titles when I first opened my store to help me build my inventory up, and I'm very grateful for him for that. But he's always gloomy. Um, it is it is a tough environment right now. Um, as I mentioned, chain stores and also online sales have have taken a fair amount of market share away from booksellers. But I'm actually quite optimistic about the future because. I think that as online sales continue to grow, chain stores are going to start to become a poor compromise between an independent bookstore with the knowledge and depth of stock that independent stores tend to have and the convenience and breadth of stock that online outlets have. And so I think over the next few years, chain stores may shrink a bit and bookstores will, will expand. Right now, it's a it's a tough business. Um, I don't make a whole lot of money, but on the other hand, I don't have holes in my clothes, and I'm not eating top ramen. And both of those have been true in the past. So I'm not I'm not complaining. But it's not a business that I would recommend anyone go into who doesn't love it. And I would also not recommend that someone go into it with expectations of making a lot of money because you just probably won't. As a specialty bookstore, you and your staff have to familiarize yourself with a variety of titles that are not well known. Could you talk about that, how you do that, and how, how the staff reads what you read? How much do you, of this stuff do you all, guys all read? I would say probably among my entire staff, which consists of six people, um, most of whom are very avid readers, obviously, we have probably read 50% of the 14,000 or so titles we have in the store. So we all read a lot. That's the first thing that we do. The something that I do personally is I have kind of two categories of reading for myself. I read authors who I really enjoy, um, regardless of how popular or how well-known they are. Or I will read books that are kind of below the radar, that, that, that people haven't heard about. So I read a lot of stuff from small presses. I read a lot of British stuff. Um, you know, kind of first novels and things like that, which keeps me up on the things that no one hears about. You don't have to work to sell William Gibson's newest book. Everyone who's going to buy that book is going to buy it on the basis of being familiar with Gibson or interviews with Gibson or whatever. There's nothing that I say that's going to influence a sale one way or the other. 
uh, an author of what we were talking about, John Meany, earlier. An author like that, who's primarily known in Britain, doesn't have a huge following in the United States, having read his books will allow me to suggest them to people who have never heard of him. And he is a fine author. <laughs> yeah, he really is. Tell us about some of your other picks in the forthcoming months, stuff that you think people should really be looking out for, both on a just a pleasure and quality reading basis, but also maybe on a, I want to have the first edition of this book, which will be worth $1,000 10 years hence. Well, I'll tell you, I would love to be able to, to, to give you the book that you got to buy as a first edition. But if I could do that, I would be making a lot more money than I am now. Um, in terms of books to really look forward to that are, that are coming out, um, there are one or two that come to mind immediately. Of course, you've kind of put me on the spot on this one. But uh, Gene Wolfe has a novel that's coming out in a few months called Pirate Freedom. Uh, Wolf is, is a phenomenal writer and, and highly recognized, receives a tremendous amount of critical acclaim. Some of his work is a bit inaccessible. Um, he, he has a vocabulary larger than just about anyone that I've ever met and is not afraid to use it. Pirate Freedom is one of the most accessible books of his that I've read in the last 10 years, and it's also perhaps one of the best. It has a very, very light sort of genre science fiction element, primarily revolving around sort of a time slip where the protagonist ends up moving forward and backward in time, not really understanding why it is happening. But other than that, it's a wonderful novel, um, painstakingly researched, about the Caribbean pirates uh, during the period just just post the um, uh, wars between France and England, and I was I was just I was stunned by it. So that's one to definitely look forward to. One that has just come out quite recently, actually, that's uh, gotten a fair amount of notice that I was very pleased with is um, Warren Ellis's first novel, uh, Crooked Little Vein. It's a little rough for some people, I think. War, uh, Warren has kind of a reputation of being kind of one of the genre's bad boys. He's best known for writing a comic book called Transmetropolitan. But Crooked Little Vein, despite the uh, a number of kind of over-the-top elements at the beginning, the presence of those elements is justified by his thesis and justified by the arc of the novel. So, um, though I, I, I'm not sure that it suits everyone. I think that it's entirely justified that, it, that it's there. And that's actually a book that the first printings may be worth a fair amount of money 10 years from now. But don't quote me on it and don't go out and buy 10 copies on my advice. I'm wondering if you could talk about, you host a lot of live events, and there's this perception of reading and literature as something that, that in fact, we all do, primarily, silently, solitarily, sitting in a chair. But there's also, I think, a, a lot of live literary culture. Could you talk about the events you host at your bookstore? Maybe talk about a few events that are upcoming that you think people might want to attend. And tell us just about the literary live literary scene here in San Francisco. And it's an interesting subject because when, when I first, I've been in business for 10 years at this point. Um, our 10-year anniversary will actually be in November, which is an event that people should come to, which will be our 10-year anniversary party and sale. We haven't set the date yet, but it'll be in the beginning of November. So that's one not to miss. When I opened, there wasn't a very strong uh, 
genre-focused literary community in San Francisco. I mean, there are a number of very strong literary communities in the city. Um, a fine example is the sort of poetry and beat community that sort of circles around City Lights bookstore. But there wasn't much in terms of the science fiction field. And uh, when I opened, I was looking for it desperately because I thought, well, these will be my customers. And I couldn't find one. Over the last 10 years, uh, a community has really grown up. And I think that what we've done at Borderlands has contributed to it a bit. I think that two of our, our the, the two um, local science fiction independent publishers have also done quite a great deal to contribute to it. That's Tachyon Publications and Nightshade Books, both of which are located in San Francisco. And both have a, have a strong investment in kind of the, the community elements of this field. Um, speaking of Tachyon, we will be hosting their anniversary party uh, next month. And that is also an event that's well worth checking out. The date is completely escaping me, but it can be found on our website. A lot of that has accreted around events that we've done at the store. The, the current, the founder of Nightshade and the current other principal of the company actually met because they met at, at my store. Just doing events and having things going on that attract people, I think, has, has been, has been a, a good thing for the writing community great events that we've done. We, you know, we host a, a anniversary party for Tachyon Press every year. Uh, this one will be the 8th, I believe, that we've hosted. Um, we uh, sponsor a literary award within, within the field, the Joshua Norton Award, which is uh, actually given at the Tachyon Party. That this year will be the fifth year that that's been granted. Um, other events that we have coming up, one that I'm very fond of is that we participate in the Lit Crawl, which is part of the Litquake Literary Festival, which happens all over San Francisco. Lit Crawl specifically happens on Valencia Street, and it is a styled after the idea of a pub crawl, that there will be over 20, I think perhaps over 30 venues this year, all the way down Valencia Street from 16th to 24th. And they all will be hosting readings of various types with, with various different focuses during the course of Saturday, I believe it's October 13th. We are, are I'm kind of lucky in that I'm one of the few venues that's allowed to curate our own set of authors because I'm more familiar with the science fiction writers in town than anyone who's associated with Litquake. And so this year we will be hosting um, Scott Siegler, Tim Pratt, uh, Mark uh, Ewart, who are all local authors and, you know, are all doing pretty exciting work. And, and that whole evening is just wonderful. The restaurants stay open late. The street is literally crowded with people who are, who are into books and into reading. And there's, there's people reading just, just in, in shops, both bookstores and bars and restaurants and coffee houses for eight blocks down the street. So that's a really fun event, too. Well, this sounds like the kind of reading that will keep bookstores like yours and other independent bookstores going for quite some years. That is our hope. That is a very important service that independent bookstores, well, I feel that it's a very important service that independent bookstores offer that a lot of the, the chain bookstores and obviously online outlets either do not or cannot offer, that we really do support the, the literary community and we support the writers within the area and we give people a place to, to go and, and, and interact writer to writer, writer to reader, reader to reader. 
We've been speaking with Alan Beats. He's the owner of Borderlands Books in San Francisco. Thank you for joining me, Alan. It was a pleasure. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Thank you.